you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Hey there, everybody. It is Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where Vin will live forever. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. Uh, back from the wilderness is Michael F. Florio. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much for holding it down uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, I-, I got to hit up the Bahamas for the first time. That w- that was really fun. And now I'm, I'm excited to be back with you. The- we're-, we're back together. 
we're back together again, just in time for uh, for like football, real, real, actual <laughs> football coming up. Uh, I got producer Randy, of course, as always at the controls, and uh, we have a special guest today. You probably know him from a lot of things he does. He's all over the place. Uh, he's at Fantasy Points Live. Uh, he's featured on Bet Spurts. Uh, he's part of the King's Classic. I will see this man in person uh, in Canton, Ohio, in about a week. Uh, he's also part of the Dynasty Vipers Network. Uh, it is the one and only Matt Donnelly from our neighbor to the north up in Alberta, Canada. Matt, we appreciate you making some time for us. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing great here. Anytime I can avoid doing real work and jump on a podcast and start talking football, I call that a victory. Yeah, I, I, it's definitely a win, right? I mean, we could be doing uh, we could be doing a lot worse things with our lives than sitting around here talking about uh, football and fantasy football and the whole like. So uh, we got plenty to talk about because, as I mentioned, we actually have football-like substance going on. Training camps are happening. We will actually have a game uh, in a little more than 24 hours from now. So football is actually fully, truly back in our lives and not us just nitpicking whatever we can find on social media or you know whatever local newspaper or video feeds. Uh, so looking forward to that. So uh, we'll talk some hype trainer smokescreen. We'll talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame game coming up on Thursday. But let's start with some news because... Uh, obviously, there's been quite a bit of it now that we have players back in camp. The biggest piece of news, obviously, coming earlier in the week, uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, we were all expecting a punishment to come down. It has been handed down. Uh, Judge Sue L. Robinson has made her ruling and decided that Deshaun Watson should be suspended for six games for violating the personal conduct policy. By now, uh, I'm sure you all know what the allegations have been. Uh, what the defense has been. We know pretty much the story as, as much as we can know it. Um, I will refrain from editorializing because right now this is a fantasy football podcast and that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, but it does mean that we do have to have that awkward transition and awkward you know, pivot to talking about fantasy football when there are actual real life things that are happening here. So we will do our best to do that here. Uh, I should also add that right now, as we record this podcast on Wednesday morning, August 3rd, it is a six-game suspension. That number could still go up. Uh, there is certainly a, a belief that Roger Goodell uh, and the league will appeal that number and that it could be more games. As of now, we don't know, so we're just operating on the 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 fact, the, what we do know, that it is a six-game suspension. So, uh, Matt, I will start with you. I mean, you know, we know at least for now that Deshaun Watson will play some portion of the season for the Cleveland Browns, provided nothing else changes. Um, but let's also throw in the fact that he has not played football in well over a year. He sat out all of last year with the Houston Texans. What are your on-field expectations for Deshaun Watson when he comes back? And, and if you feel comfortable drafting him, where would you do that? Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, I like how you mentioned the – it's six games right now. It could be more. We don't know it right now because right now it sounds like there is going to be an appeal right now. So going with that six-game kind of potential suspension there for him, you look at what he did in 2019 to try and give us a glimpse of what he could possibly do in 2022. He had 332 fantasy points, which would average about 22 fantasy points per contest. You take away six games in those 22, you're looking at about 200 fantasy points is what he would be able to produce for you. And that's if he came back right where he left off in 2019, those 200 fantasy points would put him about QB 27 right now on the season. But it would also give you, when you look at that week seven to week 17 area, he was also like 200 points would be QB eight based on 2019 numbers. So you are getting the QB eight potentially 
over that back end of the season after that suspension has been served. However, right now, if you draft him right now, you're getting QB 25 to QB 27 based on those same statistics. So you have to ask yourself, if you are in on Watson, you're probably grabbing yourself a quarterback, maybe of a Kirk Cousins potentially there. I mean, I feel comfortable with about 14 quarterbacks right now as my QB one, where I feel that this is a quarterback that can kind of sustain me until Deshaun Watson is ready to come back in week seven. So for me, it's like if I'm going to Deshaun Watson, I, that means I would have missed out on any of my top 10 quarterbacks right now. And I'm left with one of these other guys kind of sitting back there. And I'm using Watson as a boom or bust type quarterback here. Someone I can kind of count on on the back end of the season. But also, I want to make sure the guy I have in front of him is going to be a consistent guy, not another boom or bust, not a Justin Fields who could give you a great season this year, but we're not too sure what we're going to get out of Justin Fields. So I don't want to pair those two together, but a Kirk Cousins or even a Derek Carr would be a fantastic pairing with Deshaun Watson in round nine, maybe is where I feel comfortable taking him. You know, and I, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's, that's probably right. I I've seen lots of drafts where he, he eventually comes off the board. He comes off the board late Florida. I don't know what you're seeing. I mean, are, are you getting the sense that people are still sort of willing to kind of, take that calculated risk with Deshaun Watson this year? So for fun the other day, just to kind of gauge where he was going, I jumped in a, uh, like a fast best ball draft and he went in the middle of the 12th round, <laughs> um, which it, it was literally the day that the suspension news came on. So I, I could easily see him continuously getting pulled up to, I, I was thinking around 10th round ninth, if you really want him. Uh, and, and I think Matt hit the nail on the head with Watson. Like, uh, I think his upside is like top five, potentially even QB one overall, if he is the same player that he was uh, in 2019, 2018, all those seasons. Um, but I, I like I, I would be comfortable taking him around where Matt said uh, amongst the quarterbacks. I, I think like him and like Tua upside guys like that kind of should be going around each other. Um, but if you ask me from the minute he steps on the field, to the rest of the season, I would put him QB eight behind the the big seven that I think uh, all have the upside of potentially being the QB one over the course of a full season. Um, but on a per game basis, after that, I think you're going to be hard pressed to find quarterbacks that that could perform better. Just talking on on the field. 2018, he was the QB four. 2019, he was the QB four. 2020, he was the QB five. So, um, I mean, we we know what the ceiling can be for him. Um, when everything is is going well. Uh, the next question, though, Florian, I'll stay with you here, is everything around him now, right? I mean, we, we were all sort of cautious, I felt like, when it came to drafting Browns, whether it was, you know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, Amari Cooper, you name it. I felt like we were all sort of approaching this with caution, not knowing what Deshaun's Watson's punishment was going to be. Now that we have at least some idea um, how do we how do we approach drafting Browns now? I, I think everyone needs to get their ADP pulled up from what it currently is. I, I will admit I'm still not very bullish on the running backs. Like Nick Chubb is great, but Nick Chubb's going to be one of those backs that finishes like RB10, 11. Uh, I have some concerns that they're going to run the ball as much. Uh, I don't think they will with Deshaun Watson. I think we will see them throw it with as invested as they are in him. I think Amari Cooper is the biggest winner here. You you could get him right now as a wide receiver three. I, I think he should be going off the board as a wide receiver two. And I actually, earlier this summer, I tweeted like, dark horse pick if 
if there was no suspension for Deshaun Watson, I think Amari Cooper is like a dark horse to be the best wide receiver in fantasy because I think he'll get that much volume. Um, I like taking a flyer on like David Njoku as, as the second tight end because I think he could be the second target in this offense. And then like Donovan Peoples-Jones and, and David Bell to me are, are late round like flyers, but they're becoming much more appealing now knowing that, hey, from week seven on, uh, as of now, it should be Deshaun Watson and not Jacoby Brissett throwing them passes. Uh, I mean, I want to ask you because you know, Florio mentioned Nick Chubb and being concerned there. Do you do you share those concerns right now? He's he's still kind of on the fringes of the top 10 running backs. Uh, is that too high? Is that about right? I mean, how are you feeling? I feel it's probably pretty close to right. I mean, I've got him a little bit further back. I think you're going to see a lot of Chubb and a lot of Hunt in that first six games because we know what Jacoby Brissett is. Great backup quarterback. I mean, he's been there for Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, you've seen him back up all kinds of guys there. Uh, Andrew Locke, Tua Tagovailoa. And he's come in and he spelled him admirably, but he hasn't been able to put up the yards. I'm sure we'll talk about Brissett here in a second. But for it's going to be the Browns relying on this run game, hoping Brissett can manage the game, and relying on this defense, which is one of the better defenses in the league as well. So I think you're going to see a good uptick in Chubb as a runner. You're probably going to lose a little bit of PPR value on him. Hunt's PPR value is probably going to jump up a little bit because Brissett doesn't have that big arm. He's always been criticized not being able to throw the deep ball. But hey, when you've got Kareem Hunt and what he can do with that elusive rating there, you can just dump that off to him and let him do things. So when you look at what Hunt's been able to do, I think he averages something like 13 and a half fantasy points per game with Nick Chubb in the lineup. So you're going to get yourself a solid flex play in Kareem Hunt. You're going to get an RB2 that's going to push RB1 from week to week there while Brissett's out of the lineup. But when, sorry, when uh, Watson's out of the lineup, but when Watson returns, I think this game's going to turn into more of a passing game there. And Amari Cooper's value is going to go through the roof there from week 7 to 17 because we've seen what Deshaun Watson has done with guys like Brandon Cooks, with DeAndre Hopkins, and Mari Cooper is in that same realm of wide receivers there. He's just as good as DeAndre Hopkins, give or take, where you want to believe that. He's probably better than Brandon Cooks when they're both at their peak. And you look at what Cooper was able to do last season with a 15.9% target share, he's going to get more than 15% of the targets in Cleveland. He's going to be that target hog. So you're going to get yourself a wide receiver one, someone in that probably the top 10 from week 7 to 17 as the season concludes, which is what you want because that's basically Amari Cooper could be one of those league winner wide receivers that you're getting much later in your drafts. Um, side note, you, there's something you just triggered when you said, Matt, you, you talked about Deshaun Watson playing with DeAndre Hopkins. I had to remind myself that, yes, not only did they play together, they made the playoffs together. And they had a big lead on the Kansas City Chiefs, as you remember, before they got rolled in that playoff game. Uh, I just had a, a quick flashback to that. Like, yeah, you know, it, it really wasn't that long ago when the Texans were a competitive franchise. Um, and now they are, you know, kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel uh, with everything. But that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, so we know it's going to be Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Uh, and as you mentioned, Matt, th this could be a team that sort of leans on the run early in the season. We could see a heavy emphasis on Nick Chubb, uh, on those guys there, a lot of short throws, a lot of, of dump offs to Kareem Hunt. Um, so then, Florio, I'll ask you this, like, should this be the kind of thing where maybe you you load up, you, you lean on Chubb early and when we get to week six or seven, are we looking to maybe try to trade him and see what we can get back uh, in the thought that that this, like as Matt said, that this offense is going to look a lot different in the back half of the season. 
Yeah, I, I as Matt was talking, I was like that. That's what came to my mind. Like, if you want to draft Nick Chubb in like the second round and and have a potential like top five RB the first couple of weeks, and then maybe like I, I don't know, like maybe like right before like week five or something like that, you're like now's the time I'm gonna trade Nick Chubb. I also think Amari Cooper, who I would use with Jacoby Brissett, just because. I mean, all he needs is one long ball. Like, I, I'm not going to be scared away of Amari Cooper because of Jacoby Brissett. I think he'll still get the volume. But if he gets off to a slow start, everyone knows Deshaun Watson's coming. But, you know, if the the manager that has Amari Cooper is sitting there at like two and f- two and three or, or something like that after the first five weeks, maybe that's a player you could pry away for a little bit cheaper. I, I think, though, what this really does is I think it takes David Njoku – Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, all those deeper options. It takes them off the board for those first couple of weeks. I'm not going to want to start those guys, especially the first like three weeks before buys kick in over anyone because they have Jacoby Brissett. I, I just can't tell you how much volume they're going to see. Either of you have any concerns that Watson takes a little bit of time to kind of get up to speed? Because it's been... He hasn't, he hasn't played any actual live football since since 2020. Any worries that you know maybe he kind of gets off to a slow start whenever he gets back on the field? Yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit of a, a maturation period for him to get ready to go. I mean, it's going to take two to three weeks for him to get back to where he can be. So again, when you're looking at your rankings here and where you're wanting to select him, you got to keep in mind, yeah, he's serving a six-game suspension right now. But you're only going to get Deshaun Watson at 75% to maybe 80% for two weeks after that. So, I mean, those are some things to take into consideration here when you're thinking about Deshaun Watson. But, I mean, the the upside for your fantasy football championship weeks and stuff like that, I mean, oh, it's, it's a good – it looks pretty good. I mean, I'm looking – and so the last three weeks of the, the fantasy playoffs, uh, they've got the Ravens, the Saints, the Commanders um, – you know, obviously what, what we think now may not be what, what comes to pass once we get to November and December, but uh, I don't think it's a terrible potential playoff schedule uh, for, for the Cleveland Browns and for your, for your fantasy team there. Uh, all right. Uh, that obviously, you know, there's still, I think, more to come. We, we wait to see what the league will do in terms of appealing suspensions. Will it stay at six? Will it grow? Uh, you know, we, we kind of wait to see on that. Meanwhile, in Dallas, uh, we sort of know what everything is, or at least we like to believe we know what everything is. But Jerry Jones, uh, who, of course, you know, likes to likes to proclaim things, uh, even if, you know, maybe his coaches don't necessarily agree. But, you know, when you are as rich and as powerful and as influential as Jerry Jones, you can talk and uh, people are forced to listen to you. Uh, he was asked about the running back situation down there in Dallas, and he says Ezekiel Elliott, quote, it's got to be our future. Um I'm going to ask you this, Florio, because I know you have been very adamant about your feelings on Ezekiel Elliott this uh, this offseason. Not that you're alone, but, you know, you're the one who's on the show with me. So I'm asking you, <laughs> um, I know you have said that you're out on Zeke. And I know, you know, there have been the drum beats uh, about about Tony Pollard. Now that Jerry Jones has weighed in on this. Are are you changing your stance on Zeke? I mean, I feel like the slander's gone too far, but that's just me. Have you have you budged at all on Ezekiel Elliott? Yeah, I, I actually I, this was a topic I saw in the rundown, and I was like, ooh, this is gonna be a fun one to talk about <laughs> because all all starting what back in like January when we start looking ahead to this year, Marcus. I've been on the I'm not doing it again with Ezekiel Elliott thing. 
I read the situation wrong because from a fantasy perspective, Marcus, because I thought people were going to use the knee injury to hype up Zeke as an RB1 again. And instead, everyone's gone the other way. Everyone loves Tony Pollard, and Zeke's going barely as a top 20 running back. And it was actually your, I believe you tweeted the other day something like about this quote, and you were like, maybe we're all wrong about Ezekiel Elliott or something like that. And it made me look further into him. I was like, you know what? That could be the case. Like, we could be wrong on him. And he was way better in the first month of the season than from then on out. So that gives credence to the knee injury holding him back, I think. And again, I wouldn't be into Zeke as a top 10, top 12 running back, but he's going as like, again, barely inside the top 20. I have him ranked inside my top 20, not too high in there. So I'm looking at it and I'm I'm starting to come around, Marcus, and to think, I, I don't think Zeke has the upside that he used to have. But I guarantee you, Ezekiel Elliott, you get him at RB18, he is going to finish higher than that. He may not have the upside of someone like a Brees Hall or someone like that going around him, but I have come around. Uh, I, I'm not, it's not a pick that I get jazzed to make, but <laughs> I, I, I am no longer completely out on Ezekiel Elliott. I, yeah, I, I saw the quote and I quote tweeted it. And I basically said, look, I know I know the drum beats in fantasy for Tony Pollard have been loud and consistent. But at some point, I feel like we just have to listen to what the Cowboys are telling us. And everything the Cowboys have been telling us says they want Zeke to still be the feature back. And they like Tony Pollard. And I think they're going to try to work him in. But, you know, this idea that he's going to you know, somehow start literally stealing food off of Zeke's plate, I feel like is more wish casting on our part than any real actual analysis it's just that something that a lot of people want to happen and not necessarily something that i think is going to happen uh for him i mean so matt i mean you i don't i don't, I don't think i've known your feeling on, on zeke where do you come down on this whole ezekiel elliott debate uh and does what jerry jones has to say does that influence your thinking at all anytime jerry jones speaks i think you have to listen he's basically like the Monty Burns of the NFL. Remember Monty <laughs> Burns was putting together that baseball team with like Ken Griffey Jr., Don Mattingly, Daryl Strawberry. These are his guys. He wants them. Well, Jerry Jones wants Ezekiel Elliott. He wants to run him to the ground. I mean, he's paying him good money. He's going to use him. So if he says that Elliott's going to get the ball, volume is king, especially in the running back position. And you look, we got to put some respect on Elliott's name. He's literally got four 1,000-yard rushing seasons in six seasons. He's got 250 yards receiving in each of those years. So you're looking at a guy who's got six consecutive 1,200-yard scrimmage seasons back-to-back. -back. I mean, the numbers are there. I mean, we like to kind of devalue him because he came in so hot those first couple seasons. We haven't seen him return to that form. But right now, I'm, you're looking at this Dallas Cowboys offense, and I don't think Tony Pollard's value is going to be as a running back as much as a receiving back so i think you're going to see some different things in how this offense works which means we're going to see zeke lined up behind prescott a little bit more than maybe we th thought we would last season uh by the way i think uh jose canseco is probably still retrieving things from a burning building uh from that episode of the simpsons all those years ago well homer at the bat it's a classic one absolutely uh look i i, I know I agree with everybody when they say, look, Zeke is not the player he was a few years ago. But I mean, I feel like none of us can say we're the same person we were a few years ago, right? <laughs> we're all we're all a little bit closer to washed every single day. But for all of the dirt we keep trying to kick on Zeke's grave, um, he's been a top 10 running back pretty much every single year. And everybody talked about him not being explosive and not looking like the guy. And then in the end, the dust settles and he's the RB6. Um, so I... 
I know that you know, the the fall for running backs often comes swiftly. Um, you know, I, I know that Todd Gurley has become sort of the poster for that uh, of a guy who was on top of the world one one year and then out of the league, it seemed the very next. But I don't know. I just feel like until I see that that plummet from Zeke, I'm not willing to just completely write him off yet. And I think I think it's going to be that sort of thing. Like you said, Florio, people are going to draft him. You're going to hold your nose. You're going to draft Ezekiel Elliott. You're not going to love it. Nobody in, nobody in your draft is going to you know, groan that you sniped Zeke from them, right? Nobody is going to stand up and pat you on the back and say, man, that was a really great pick. But I just have this feeling that at the end of the year, he's going to be hanging around and he'll be the RB8, the RB9, something like that. Uh, and it's going to look to be a pretty good pick when it's all said and done. So, uh, you know, I get that we all love shiny new things, um, but this this feels like, you know, that old pair of shoes that you just leave there near the front door and they, you know, it, it's like my old beat up pair of Allbirds, man. They don't look great, but they're comfortable as heck and they're great when I just need to run out to the store. And I just feel like that's that's going to be Zeke. So it, I, I was going to say, if we're comparing him to Gurley, I think this would be Zeke's like Gurley Falcon season rather than the year where he's just out the league where like volume alone is going to make him a top 15 running back. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely, I could definitely believe in that. But so, let, but let's talk, Matt. Let's talk about Tony Pollard because he is he's the golden child in in fantasy circles right now. He's the guy that everybody wants to get a huge role. Uh, can you paint me a picture? What what has to happen right now for Tony Pollard to be worth a weekly start? Because last year, I mean, he he got you double digit points. I think four different times. Right? Eh, it's fine. It's not great. It's not a guy that you feel confident starting every week. I know that's what people want. What has to happen in us for us to be comfortable doing that? I think he's in the perfect storm right now. I think he's got flex appeal every single week right now. You look at last year, I think he was RB28. You mentioned that almost 11 fantasy points per game coming from 3.8 yards after contact. So if he gets the ball, you know he's going to be able to produce. But his big value is going to be in this passing game. He had the 10th most slot yards per route run last season. Amongst all guys with, I can't remember what the number is, I think it's like 20 opportunities there, whatever that worked out to. But you know with Michael Gallup coming back from an injury, James Washington going down, you're basically looking at C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz as your two pass catchers in this offense. Well, if you're going to bounce uh, Tony Pollard out to the slot, that gives you another pass catcher to go with Dak to make things happen. So that's where I think his value is going to be. This whole situation here in Dallas kind of reminds me of yesteryear when you had Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler in that Chargers backfield where Austin Eckler wasn't necessarily getting the touches in the run game but he was being really effective and efficient as a pass catcher and in PPR hey that's all Tony Pollard needs because he averaged 8.6 yards per reception last year so you know if he gets the ball in his hands he's going to be able to produce for you in fantasy especially in those PPR leagues so I think Pollard's going to have weekly flex appeal each and every week. So I'm all in on Pollard here. I'm going to draft, especially when you're drafting him. I think you're drafting him probably, what, round 10, round 8, somewhere in that range, depending on where these running backs are fall falling off the board. So I feel comfortable where Pollard is. I think he's going to outperform his current ADP, much like Zeke's going to outperform his ADP. So since you're in more in now on Zeke, Florio, does that mean you are a little more out on Pollard or are you still kind of buying in there? I like Pollard. Um, I just think he's there's more upside if Zeke gets hurt, but I feel like right now with Zeke healthy, 
we're kind of drafting Tony Pollard at his ceiling. So I, cause like, like he's going as like right outside the top 24 running backs, definitely inside the top 30. And to me, that's kind of appropriate. That's where I have him ranked. Um, I, I get the upside if anything happens to Zeke, but a lot of the times in drafts in that range of drafts, I go in another direction. Um, I, I don't, I think if the biggest way that Pollard could be really good in fantasy outside of a Zeke injury is that they let him man the slot more often, man. Cause Jalen Tolbert is getting a lot of hype right now. He could play outside opposite of CeeDee Lamb. And then with James Washington hurt right now, like there's not a whole <laughs> lot of, of uh, until Michael Gallup comes back, there's not a whole lot of depth uh, in that ro- receiver room. So why not throw out a guy who you know if he catches in space could do a whole lot of damage. If that happens and we start to see that in training camp, I'll change my tune then, I, I imagine. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, last little thing before we hit a quick break. Um the Rams apparently are lessening Matthew Stafford's workload because he's dealing with a bit of an elbow issue. Um, he's brought to his pal Clayton Kershaw. I don't know if you guys have heard, but but Matthew Stafford and Clayton Kershaw are friends. I'm the first person to ever say this on a broadcast. It has never, ever been mentioned ever before in the history of anything. Um, but, you know, Kershaw had an elbow issue. Stafford has an elbow issue. Uh, Matt, pain. Sympathy pains, exactly. Uh, I know we're going to play Hype Train or Smokescreen a little bit later on in the show, uh, but uh, how worried should we be about this, Matt? Is this is this something that we should really pay attention to, or is it you know this just kind of a training camp thing? I'm not worried about Matthew Stafford and injuries. I mean, this guy's had just about every possible injury and played through just about every single one. So if he needs a little bit of more maintenance here in the preseason, in the offseason, whatever you want to call it, I'm all for that. All I care about right now is if he's been inviting Allen Robinson to his brick breakfast club with Cooper Cup. That's all I care about right now in fantasy. <laughs> I think that arm is going to be fine. That elbow is going to be fine. I mean, you're looking at a guy who threw almost 5,000 yards last season. He threw over 40 touchdowns last season. Give, the, give that elbow a little bit of a break. I mean, the Rams have that shortened offseason. Let him rest a little bit. I'm okay with it. Yeah, maybe coffee and donuts make elbows feel better. Um, I will do <laughs> Works some, for I, me. I should do some scientific research and try to figure that thing out. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll play some hype trainer smoke screen. We'll also get a uh, glimpse at the Hall of Fame game and kind of what we're looking forward to that. Stay tuned for that on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All right. Uh, now that we have actual, like I say, football-like substance, we've got practices, we got training camps, we're going to have a football game coming up uh, in about a day. Uh, it's always a good time to play hype train or smokescreen because now coaches are saying things and players are saying things. And, you know, sometimes it's just training camp talk. Sometimes it actually means something. So uh, I put together about five things or four things. We're going to delete something because uh, 
peek behind the curtain. I was sloppy with my rundown. So we're going to delete one of these things. And we have four things to talk about here uh, about hype trainer smokescreen. So first one, Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator Matt Canada says Mason Rudolph has, quote, a great shot at winning the QB job. Uh, now, Matt, I, I came into this preseason, this training camp season, thinking that it was going to be a battle between Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. Uh, apparently there's an option C if you believe Matt Canada. So I have to ask you hype train or smoke screen. Are you really buying into this? I mean, the guy's name is Canada. I mean, he's got to be telling the truth, right? I mean, that's basically how this <laughs> is going to work from out. Alberta, yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm looking at this. I've been following this situation very closely because like you, I've been okay. Is Trubisky going to get this starting spot? Is it going to be Kenny Pickett? Who am I going to draft possibly in a super flex league? It's kind of been, I've been monitoring this whole situation. Well, Trubisky hasn't done very much. and hasn't looked very good from all reports that I've been hearing. And Kenny Pickett is still a rookie. So I don't think he's going to be ready to start right away. So I think this really comes down to Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. And with Rudolph, at least he has some familiarity with this offense, with uh, Matt Canada here. So I don't think Rudolph is going to get it. I still think it's going to be Trubisky when it's all said and done. But I don't think this is necessarily a smokescreen. I think that Rudolph may be actually looking like the best option right now of these three, but ultimately it's going to be Trubisky. It reminds me of like growing up on the farm here, taking going out there, shoveling the manure from one pile and moving it to the other pile. The <laughs> barn is still going to stink. I mean, that is exactly what we got going on here in this quarterback room. That's a great analogy. I love that. Um, I mean, Florio, I mean, yeah, I know Mike Tomlin said we shouldn't read into Kenny Pickett working with the second team, but I know you guys are going to, but you shouldn't read into it. Um, I mean, are, are you buying into uh, the, the idea that Mason Rudolph could be the starter here? To me, this is the ultimate smokescreen. I, I think there is a 0% chance or, or point, 0.1, something like that. I understand he's playing well in training camp right now. He's not running with the ones. I, I think that is a big reason why we know what Mason Rudolph is. Every time we see Mason Rudolph, Mason Rudolph was so bad that he made us miss Big Ben when Big Ben missed time the last <laughs> couple of seasons. Like That is all you need to know about Mason Rudolph. I, I continue to be of the mindset that I don't know if he'll start week one, but I think Kenny Pickett is going to start the vast majority of games for, for this Steelers team. If none of your quarterbacks, if you don't feel great about any of them, you're going to give it to the guy who you used a first round pick in, who was the most NFL ready rookie, because you want to know what you have in this kid. And, and, and it just making him sit a year or, or most of the year, I don't think makes any sense. So ever since they drafted him 20th overall, my thinking has been, Mitch, you got backup money, and and that's kind of what you're going to be this year. I I'm sort of with you. I I think I've I've held to the belief that I think Mitch Trubisky starts Week One, but I wouldn't be surprised if before too long that we're going to see Kenny Pickett get the gig. Um, especially if well, especially if Trubisky struggles. But uh, I I think you're going to see Pickett get this job because I think I think all three of these quarterbacks are fairly even. Um. And I'm, I'm with you, Florio. I think you, you end up starting the guy that you spent draft capital on that, that you, you know, you have under team control for the longest time too. Right. I mean, you know, you, you only have Trubisky for a short amount of time. You know, I don't imagine they're going to, you know, I'm not expecting Mason Rudolph to get the bag and end up with some giant, huge extension. So why wouldn't you at some point turn the reins over to Kenny Pickett? So uh, I appreciate you, Matt Canada. I love you. You ought to pump up your guy here, but um, I don't know if I'm, I'm buying that one. Uh, 
little closer to where I am and where Florio is in Los Angeles, Sean McVay was asked about his running backs, uh, specifically Daryl Henderson, and he said, quote, I look at it as we've got two starting running backs. Uh, Matt, that sounds great for the Rams. That sounds terrible for us. Uh, I know people love Cam Akers, and they want Cam Akers to prosper, and I get it. Um, should we be buying what McVay is selling here? Is this, is this a hype train or is this a smokescreen? Oh, this is a smokescreen for me altogether. I mean, did Henderson flash at times last year? Yeah, sure. He had some good games. He had some good runs there. But ultimately, he got outplayed by Sony Michelle. We're talking. So for me, for McVeigh to say, well, I've got two number one running backs, I say pump the brakes. What have we seen McVeigh rely on two running backs? Whoever this running back is in this Rams offense is going to see like an 80% snap share. Whether Akers, I mean, even Akers coming back from that Achilles rupture there, when he was not quite 100%, when he was only getting like 2.3 yards per carry, he was still getting 80% of the touches. So for me, when you tell me, you might think maybe you have uh, two running backs that are top quality. I mean, that's like that guy that you're trying to trade with in your leagues. They're trying to sell you his third running back, <laughs> telling you he's a starter. Yeah, well, maybe he might start somewhere else, but he's not going to start on this Los Angeles Rams team. It's going to be Cam Akers all the way through. So, and you got to look at Akers, we knock him a little bit on those yards per carry, but look at those teams that he played against there in that run. San Francisco twice, Arizona, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, all pretty good teams against the run. So I'm not worried about Cam Akers. He's, got, he's almost a full season now removed from that injury. We've seen him come back, play a little bit. I think that's going to factor into it. Daryl Williams is going to be more of that change of pace kind of guy for me. Or Daryl right, Henderson, uh, sorry. Yeah, Florio, are you, uh, are you in on this? Hype trainer smokescreen for, with the Rams running backs. If we were on Fantasy Live right now, Marcus, I'd, uh, we'd have to get our arms pumping. Uh, <laughs> I, I think this is a hype train. I I, oh. I think that it. I agree with Matt that I think McVay ideally likes to use one running back, but I don't know if he's going to have that choice because I, I agree. I think it's a positive that we saw Cam Akers back last year. But we saw a very different Cam Akers last year without that burst. He's one of the players that I'm going to be paying one of the closest eyes to this uh, preseason because if he looks like the Cam Akers of old, then I think this is a smoke, a smoke screen and I'll bump Cam Akers back up my rankings. But I'm kind of nervous because outside of Kevin Durant, who is now the poster boy of like, look, you could come back from Achilles injuries. Like these have historically been career enders especially for running backs. So I, I I am more weary of Cam Akers the closer we get to the season. And just the fact that he's got two running backs that have struggled to stay on the field as much as they have, he might not have a, a choice but to use two starting running backs. And you said Kevin Durant being the poster boy for, I thought you were going to say like burner Twitter accounts and like you know, <laughs> snapping, snapping back at fans who say negative things. Um I'm going to I'm going to call smoke screen, but it's a very hesitant smoke screen on this one. Uh, and I, you know, I apologize for not remembering where I saw it. I know I think I feel like multiple people have mentioned this on Twitter that generally speaking, McVeigh likes to use one guy in a game like when when he can, when everybody's healthy, he likes to generally lean on one running back. And I know it's a thing he said he wasn't going to do after basically running Todd Gurley into the ground for a few years. He said that he was probably going to try to avoid that. But you know, to quote the philosopher Sean Carter, you are who you are when you got here. So I, I think Sean, Vey, Sean McVay is still going to keep using kind of one running back. So I think it's going to be Cam Akers as much as possible. Maybe you see Daryl Henderson kind of get in there and and give him a break every once in a while. But I'm going to 
I'm going to call a smoke screen, but I also reserve the right to take that back if, you know, we get a couple weeks into the preseason and it, it looks a little bit different. So um, more running back news. And I'm going to start with you, Florio, as our resident Bills fan here on this show. But the reports are Zach Moss is, quote, trending toward having a role in the offense. Uh, you know, I know we all love Devin Singletary. James Cook has been the new hotness and uh, is getting a whole lot of a lot of excitement. But now there are these reports from camp that maybe Zach Moss isn't quite dead yet. Or is he? I mean, like I said, as as our resident Bills fan here, Florio, is this high train or smokescreen? This is pure smokescreen. I, I think this is the Bills <laughs> trying to boost up Zach Moss, maybe see if they can get like a late round pick to, to trade him or something like that. Uh, I, to me, the Bills backfield cut, like I, I'm not saying anything that no one else has said already, but it comes down to Singletary versus James Cook. And like that alone, I think is a very big question mark for fantasy. So if, if Zach Moss is in this offense and does have a role, this backfield is going to be an absolute nightmare. But I mean, he was legitimately a healthy scratch multiple times down the stretch last year for Matt Breida. Then they went <laughs> out and, and they used a, a premium draft pick on James Cook. I, I think this is purely going to be uh, a two-man committee between Singletary and Cook. And maybe, I, I even, in fact, I like Duke Johnson more than I like Zach Moss coming into the season. I mean, I like Duke Johnson, but... Ooh, for Zach Moss, <laughs> that's that's not great. All right, so Florio's basic, basically saying the rolling stone that is the Bills offense will gather no Zach Moss. Uh, so, Matt, are you are you in? Is hype train or smokescreen on Zach Moss having a role in this offense? You know what? Fool fantasy managers want shame on you. I mean, we <laughs> almost bought into this last season. Remember, there was that stretch where he was getting 10-plus carries in this Bills offense. People started buying into it. I think week one, he had two touchdowns to start the season off. People are like, okay, Zach Moss may have value. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> After he got like kicked off the team, I mean, he didn't really get kicked off the team, but he was a healthy scratch. I mean, how much worse can it get for you? We saw what Devin Singletary could do, scoring a touchdown on the ground in six straight games, including the playoffs. He had eight of his 10 touchdowns over that six-game stretch, so we know Singletary can get the job done. The truth is, the number one running back in Buffalo is still Josh Allen. I mean, if you're going to get close to the goal line, he's still going to call his number from time to time. Devin Singletary may come in there. And James Cook, he's a matchup nightmare against linebackers in the passing game. Where, where does Moss fit in with this? I don't see where he fits in. And I agree. I think Duke Johnson is an actual better running back than what Zach Moss is. So, for me, this is, hey, let's get Zach Moss a little bit of value. Maybe we can get a seventh or a sixth-round draft pick. Maybe we can cut our losses here with him right now. And, you know, during the offseason, there's going to be running backs that go down. So that may help Zach Moss a little bit as we move forward. Yeah, I think I'm going to make this unanimous. I think this is a, a smokescreen. This is this is the Bills trying to showcase their guy a little bit and seeing if maybe they can, as you mentioned, kind of cut their losses, uh, get something back in return. Cook is probably going to be the, the passing down back. Uh, they can use him in a lot of different ways. Um, I feel like you guys mentioned Duke Johnson, and Duke Johnson has the same problem for me in Buffalo that he's had everywhere else he's gone in his career, that I think Duke Johnson is a good running back who ends up on teams with better running backs. I think he's a good, he's a good receiver who ends up on teams with better receivers. So, like, he's, you know, in baseball parlance, he's kind of that utility player that, like, hey, man, we just need you to eat up a few innings at, at shortstop while our guys hurt. Like, that's sort, of, that's sort of who Duke Johnson is. But the fact that you guys both said, like, you feel like he's a better option than Zach Moss, I think – speaks volumes about where Zach Moss is uh, at this exact moment. All right, uh, last one. 
Tyrion Davis Price, and every time I say Tyrion of any sort, I think Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, but Tyrion Davis Price and Jeff Wilson reportedly could be, quote, involved early and often. Now, uh, I know Elijah Mitchell is still a popular name uh, as a giant helicopter flies over my house right now. Um, I, know that, I know that Elijah Mitchell is still a very popular name. Uh, and people are still drafting him very highly. I have said repeatedly that I think Tyrion Davis Price will be fantasy relevant at some point uh, before the season is over. Uh, but Matt, the idea that he and Jeff Wilson could be involved early and often uh, are you are you buying this right now? Um, this one's a tough one for me because I want to call smokescreen, but we're talking about Kyle Shanahan here, which <laughs> anything is on the table, especially at the running back position here. He, what Shanahan likes to do is he likes to create mismatches all over the field. And that's where you can see uh, Davis Price get a little bit of run early on in the season. But for me, hey, I am a Elijah Mitchell fan. There's no doubt about it. We heard he was buried last year. Remember Jeffrey Wilson, Trey Sermon, Raheem Monster. These are all guys ahead of Elijah Mitchell last year. He just missed 1,000 yards rushing last season by 37 yards. You add in his receiving yards, he had over 1,100 scrimmage yards. And he played in just, what, 12 games? Elijah Mitchell is a great player when he's on the field. And I think that's the key thing for people to remember. He's going to get a bulk of these carries here for the San Francisco 49ers. I think San Francisco was fifth in the league in rushing attempts, something like 30.4 last season. So if Elijah Mitchell's healthy and he's on the field, I think he's going to be fantasy relevant. I think he's going off as RB23 right now. You're getting him back into the sixth, early seventh round. I think he's a guy who could outperform that ADP. However, he, we haven't been able to see him stay healthy, and I think that if he goes down early, I think that's where we see Davis Price step in, even more so than Jeffrey Wilson. Now, Jeffrey Wilson is one of the guys who could really throw a whole wrench into the whole system here. If all of a sudden he comes out gangbuster here and looks like the better back and gives you some production, because Jeffrey Wilson, we've seen him produce from time to time, I guess is the best way to put it. So I'm not quite buying it involved early and often, but like Florio said here, there's a point where Davis Price is going to be used because of how Shanahan likes to use his running backs. Uh, yeah, so Flory, I mean, like, one, are you buying they're going to be involved early and often? And the the addendum to this question, will Jock Peterson be stashing Jeff Wilson on his fantasy <laughs> roster again in 2022? Oh, man, the other day when it came out that Tommy Pham was traded, but no one I wanted to go to the so I was hoping so. <laughs> there was like 10 minutes where the team was unknown. And I was, oh, <laughs> oh, Jock Peterson probably learned his lesson and won't be stashing him. But I, I think this is a hype train for a lot of the reasons that Matt said. Like, I, I agree with everything Matt just laid out there that um, – I think Elijah Mitchell has a lot of upside in this in this offense, but I have him ranked as my RB25 right along with Josh Jacobs and Antonio Gibson because to me, all of those running backs have the upside to be an RB1, but things could just bottom out for them, I, I think. And Mitchell, I believe, is the best of the 49ers running backs, but, but again, I, I do think Shanahan likes to use multiple backs. It's what he's done for the, the bulk of his time as, as a head coach. Um, I also think the fact that when we saw Mitchell last year running 20 plus times, he missed six games. Uh, so I, I think we could see him maybe dialed back a little bit just to keep him healthy. Uh, and the thing is, I, I think uh, Tyrion Davis Price could be a really good running back if Mitchell misses time. But I think Jeff Wilson is going to be that thorn in the side that takes away like something like eight, 10 touches a week because for whatever reason, Kyle Shanahan seems to love this guy. And then, Marcus, I don't know if you saw this. 
Trey Sermon is is getting some hype yeah, after a, after we spent the whole season just he's BSOHL, right? He's best shape of his life now. <laughs> and uh yeah, I've seen I've seen <laughs> I've seen the hype on uh on Trey Sermon. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh I will say that I, I do think there's a lot of truth behind this. Um, you know, let, I mean, we all have to remember Elijah Mitchell was a great find, but that also happened because there were injuries ahead of him on the depth chart last year, right? If, if Raheem Mostert stays healthy, if Jeff Wilson stays healthy, uh, if, if Trey Sermon doesn't just go bust in his rookie year, I don't know that we really see a lot of Elijah Mitchell. And he took advantage of the opportunity to his credit. So, I mean, give him, give him total props for that. But I don't think that was the way the 49ers had it drawn up. And so I think when we get to this year, I think you're going to see uh, a lot more guys sort of work in. Uh, you know, th there's a reason that Adam Rank coined the phrase Shanahanigan so many years ago. I know it started with Mike Shanahan, but it has certainly been passed down to his son uh, that they will use multiple running backs and that at times it can be a little bit hard to figure out. So I would not be surprised at all uh, if we see Jeff Wilson get involved, if we see Tyrion Davis Price. So I do think there is. Uh, a lot of truth behind that. Now, how much they get involved, I think we remain to be seen and, and how exactly they're used. I think we have to kind of wait and see. Uh, but that is what preseason is for, which, uh, fittingly enough, gets us to the fact that the Hall of Fame game kicks off on Thursday from Canton, Ohio. It is the Jaguars and the Raiders, our first actual football-ish type game uh, that we're going to get to watch this year. So, uh, you know, look, we know that for the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence is not going to play. Uh, Travis Etienne is is sick, so he's not going to play in this game. I don't know how much either of those guys would have played anyway if they were healthy or ready to go. Uh, but, Matt, beyond that, who or what are you most interested in watching from, from Thursday night? Well, Snoop Connor is in the house. Okay, so this is a guy I'm excited to watch here. Because we know what this Jacksonville Jaguars backfield looks like right now. We have Travis Etienne, and we've got James Robinson. James Robinson is facing that same uphill battle that Cam Akers was facing last season. So we don't know what James Robinson is going to be capable of doing. So that RB2 spot is essentially up for grabs. And on this Jaguars backfield right now, there's no one behind Snoop Connor. So Snoop Connor could somehow find himself into fantasy relevancy if he performs well. I mean, it's a good bunch of backups and you know, curtain jerkers kind of guys that are, he's going to be facing against here against the Raiders. I mean, and we're not talking about their starters here, but if Snoop Connor can come out there and perform well, I mean, he's could find himself cementing himself a spot on this roster early on in camp. And we know Travis Etienne, we don't, he's coming back from that ACL injury. He looks like he's hundred percent, but you have to worry about his ability and his durability of running between the tackles 20 to 30 times a game. And I think that's where Snoop Connor comes in. If James Robinson isn't ready to come back anytime soon. So for me, I'm watching Snoop Connor here on the Jaguars side of things. And on the Raiders side of things, I'm looking to see who's going to be that wide receiver three on this team. We know Waller's got that tight end position. We know Renfro. We know Adams. But who's the next guy up there for the Vegas Raiders? Is it Demarcus Robinson? Is it Keelan Cole? Mac Hollins? Tyron Johnson? I mean, that is an ugly list of names. None of those guys has any fantasy relevancy at any point, no matter what. Heck, Zay Jones is an upgrade on all these guys. So for me, if we don't see any of these guys kind of emerging in this Raiders offense, could they then go into that free agency market? Will they look at a T.Y. Hilton, a Will Fuller? So if there's an incompetency in this Raiders receiving core, I think the Raiders could go ahead and look at 
uh, free agency, uh, free agency, and pick someone up there along the way. Uh, I mean, Will Fuller still hanging out there as a free agent. That's a name to maybe. I mean, has anyone? How, how can you still be on the IR with a finger injury three years later? <laughs> that is, like that I know, I, I'm not one to judge here. I sneeze and my back is out. And I'm done for a week. I get it. So I'm not going to judge anyone <laughs> for ailments that are kind of hurting them here. But we're we're dealing with a finger injury that's lasted like two years. It is it is a bit of a mystery. Uh, so we'll see. But Wilful, I, I imagine somebody will sign him before the end of, of the preseason. I just I can't imagine he hangs out there too much longer. Uh, Florida, what what are you keeping your eye on for this one? T- to be honest, I'm I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna watch it. We got football back on the TV again. Uh, I think Snoop Connor is an interesting one. Zamir White uh, on, on the Raiders because he's getting a lot of fantasy hype as someone who could potentially uh, steal. A lot of work away from Josh Jacobs. If Kenyon Drake suits up, uh, just to see what he looks like at, after you know all the injuries he suffered last season. Um, but to me, this is this is more a game to enjoy. You know, maybe maybe circle a couple of names that catch your eye. But it, I don't expect to see Carr, Adams, Waller, Renfro. We're, we're not going to see Lawrence, Etn. So uh, it, it, this is more to get to know the depth. And, and maybe players who could become waiver wire targets or, or maybe earn more work as camp goes on. But I, I think it's it's more uh, to kind of have like a, a dynasty lens on than to try to find anything that is going to be like a huge secret redraft. Yeah, I definitely you mentioned Zamir White. That was a name that, that sort of popped up into my head, too, as well. But uh, I think it's fitting, too, that uh, Florio mentioned dynasty. Matt, you are that is one of your specialties. You're with the, the dynasty Vipers group up, up there. And um, I mean, how should fantasy managers come into this one watching this one? I mean, is, is it just that we should just mostly just sit back and enjoy football on our TV? Or, you know, are you, are you taking notes on stuff as you're watching this one? So the biggest thing I'm probably taking notes here on is I'm watching the coaches in this game. Both these teams had some serious coaching turmoil last year. John Gruden, Urban Meyer, both those things have been uh, we talked about over and over and over again. So, and this is also Josh McDaniels and Doug Peterson's second turn as a head coach in the league right now with these respective clubs. How are these players going to gravitate towards them? How, how are they going to adjust? I mean, that's one of those things I'm watching here, the game inside the game. I mean, things can't get any worse for Jacksonville, right? We, we've seen what happened there. We've seen how resilient the Raiders were last season dealing with all they have to. But we also know that the Raiders probably kind of liked uh, the, the coach that they had in the intern there before he went off to Green Bay. So it's going to be interesting to see how these guys kind of go together, how they pull these two teams together and see how it happens. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing I'm watching it because, hey, it's football back. And we're talking week zero here of the preseason, <laughs> not even week one, right? So just like – Florida said, sit back, enjoy football. We have football now every week until, what, February, March? I don't know, but we yeah. have football back. Every single week until February, there will be a uh, there will be a football game on your television screen somewhere. So definitely uh, looking forward to that. Well, uh, Florio, good to have you back. Uh, you and I are going to get back at this uh, in a real way really, really soon. So uh, it's nice to get you back in the fold. Matt, appreciate you jumping in. Uh, for folks who don't know, where can they find your stuff? Yeah, you can catch me here on the DynastyVipers.com. I mean, I think I did something 64 articles and 40 videos there. So between uh, the website and the YouTube channel. By the way, I do not recommend doing a team-by-team analysis of their top five fantasy assets and then backing that up with the training camp articles on each and every team. Not 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 strongly <laughs> recommended for one person. Duly noted. <laughs> so I got that kind of all out of the way. So you can catch all that. I put the threads there on Twitter, at MattDonnellyFF. You can kind of follow along that way because I know how people love Twitter threads these days. So those are out there for you to catch. And, yeah, just follow along here. Vipers Network on the YouTube channel. 
uh, fantasy uh, points media group affiliate there. And hey, hit those newsstands because uh, Marcus, you know as well as I do, we had that uh, Pro Football Focus magazine right. that we had contributing there too, where you talk about Miller Lite. So I mean, we got that <laughs> little talk about that. Uh, there's about three different magazines that I was uh, fortunate enough to be part of here. So check those newsstands, and you might be able to catch me the here and there. Yeah, that's right. Writing for uh, our pal Neil Cadlich and uh, you know, Bob Harris, and I, I did write a long screed where I, I invoked the uh, you know, memories of the '80s Miller Lite ad campaign. Less filling, tastes great. Florio, you were probably way too young to know what I'm talking about there. So uh, <laughs> just go Google it. I'm sure the sure the commercials are on YouTube. So uh, so definitely go and be sure uh, to, to check that out as well. Um, before we wrap up the show, uh, I, I wanted to end today with just. Uh, a, a personal tribute. Uh, I'm sure many of you saw that uh, on Tuesday night, uh, Vin Scully passed away at the age of 94, the longtime Dodger announcer and just general sports broadcaster. And certainly anyone who, who lives or has lived any time in Los Angeles, Vin was, was definitely a part of your life. I mean, he, he embodied L.A. sports as much as anybody who ever wore a uniform and you know, swung a bat took a shot, ran a football, whatever. Vin was as much a part of the sports and cultural landscape as anybody in Los Angeles. But even beyond that, just his presence as kind of a sports figure was was sort of unavoidable. Um, and I will say that he, in part, is sort of the roundabout reason that I'm here right now. I, at some point, decided uh, I wanted to spend my life as a sports broadcaster, and, and listening to Vin Scully had a lot to do with it. And, you know, I think I, I don't know that you could have been uh, a kid uh, that grew up during his era, especially growing up in Southern California. Not that I grew up in Southern California, but anybody who grew up in Southern California or just heard Vin, um, at some point you wanted to do that. You wanted to be that. You wanted to kind of be who he was. Uh, even to this day, like my dream job would be to be the radio voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, and so losing losing Vin for me personally definitely is a, a sad sad moment uh i think for sports fans in general it is uh it is a watershed passing moment and so uh certainly condolences to his family to the dodger family to just sports fans in general uh i'm sure on twitter you have seen plenty of remembrances plenty of videos going out and so i wanted to end the show today um obviously he's most known for his work with the dodgers but vin did a lot of other sports and did football on TV for a little while. And the last football game that he ever called was the 1981 NFC championship game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys at a time when the Cowboys were very much a juggernaut, very much, you know, a favorite to go and win another Super Bowl. And at the time, the 49ers were an upstart team with a young quarterback named Joe Montana and a wide receiver named Dwight Clark. And Vin was on the call at Candlestick Park when Dwight Clark made what has just now become known as the catch. And afterwards, he said that was the last football game he did in part because it was one of the best football games he's ever seen. So um, as my own personal tribute to Vin, who I'm certainly going to miss, um, who I love, um, just wanted the show with, uh, with his call of the catch. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good. Live well. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We're going to miss you forever, Vin. For the rest of you, we'll talk to you next week. We have a third and three. San Francisco has used up another timeout. So you have 59 seconds left in the game. The Cowboys have two timeouts. The 49ers have one. And you know what? For one of the rare times, what they thought was going to be a barn burner is exactly that. And, of course, for the upstart 49ers, they're six yards away from Pontiac. 
third and three. We'll see a pick of some kind on the right side, possibly. Montana looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. It's a madhouse at Candlestick with 51 seconds left. 